and they run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. It's ridiculous that they do. That was a huge calling. Well, we didn't miss it. You know, the typical rah, 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 zip, boom, bye, boom. You don't cuss. You don't drink. So what are your vices? I have been known to, uh, to chew a bit of tobacco when I get a little tired or watching film. Hey, I'm Cole Joe. I just love my Hummer. I have my Hummer. You need a Hummer. Tell them about it, Jojo. They've won the biggest championship, and that's a championship of life. Gas control. Everybody just do your job. You understand that? Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee Homer? I'm back, baby. <laughs> oh, baby. Sweet 16. How about that? Wait, what now? <laughs> I know. There's a lot There's a lot going on there. I'm back to drinking. I'm happy. And uh, we're just going to have to roll with it. <laughs> Nobody likes a sober Shane, so here we go. Well, I think you're in the right state of mind, Shane, because it's spring break all across the SEC, and you know the biggest sign that it is, in fact, spring break here in the SEC country? Uh, Gronk retired and he's on some boat somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that. It's all these damn players keep getting arrested, Shane. So we got arrests all around the league. Georgia's gotten three guys, I think, here in the last couple of weeks. We got linebacker Jaden Hunter. We got defensive back Tyreek Stevenson. Senior receiver Tyler Simmons. Then you can jump down to Tennessee, defensive back Kenneth George Jr. Jump down to Starkville, Mississippi. You got Ole Miss offensive lineman Tommy Champion. Arrest left and right this week in the SEC. <laughs> Holy Mike. We're back, baby. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> Last chance you is going to be awesome this year. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know who's coaching down there. He got fired. Did you hear that? Yeah, well, the the Nazi guy, he he's yeah. out, so that'll be he's gone. The, the last chance you that much more interesting. Oh man, another savant takes a hit, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> speaking of terrible decisions here, Shane, did you see this tweet from? This is a guy who used to coach at Alabama. He was the offensive line coach. Now he's the offensive line coach at Georgia Tech. Did you see the tweet that he sent out that he quickly deleted thereafter? No, what do you got? All right, so for anyone that doesn't know this, so this is, uh, you know, we're not trying to mock what happened. We're just mocking this coach here. But over the weekend, Georgia Tech had a player that died. Oh, man. And the same day, they landed a commit. And here's what Coach Brent Key tweeted out. Georgia Tech has always and will continue to attract great men. Today, we lost a great man and gained another great man. Even in the dark days, the future is bright. Oh, no. Oh, my God. He had to be drinking when he did that one because that is horrible, dude. That is horrible. I I never – what happened to the the kid? I mean – I don't think they said, and I don't think it had anything to do with, you know, him training. You know, I mean, I don't think they – you know, there was that sad situation at Maryland last year where the player died after – having like a cardiac arrest on the field. Yeah. I don't think it was anything like that. I don't think I don't think it had anything to do with football, but at the same time, surely yeah. surely we no one condones comments like that as soon as a player dies if nothing else Shane. Uh, let's hope Georgia beats the hell out of Georgia Tech once again and just te- teach this guy a damn lesson. <laughs> Dude, it's 2019. If you're a coach, you have got to think before you send. 
I mean, because, I mean, there's screenshots. Everybody, I mean, screenshots will kill a career, brother. And this right here is, is probably one of the lowest ones I've seen in a while. <laughs> Other than the basketball. Did you see the one on basketball? They called the the coach was, uh, what was he from? He's not Oregon, but he's, it seems like he was a pack, uh, U.S. Irvine, maybe. Mm-hmm. Did you see that? And, and the guy's last name was King. Oh, and, and he called him a queen? He, yeah, he kept saying double team queen, and then. He comes out later saying, well, it had nothing to do with what you're thinking. It was all about chess. And I was just <laughs> like, dude, whatever, man. You got busted. You sure maybe what you were talking to him about? <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you. Uh, I would say a double-team queen to try to see if I could irritate him. And I did because of how important he is to their team, the queen in chess. It was a play on his name of king. And it bothered him. He started thinking about me. Started- oh, man. Yeah, the media was eating that one. All right, Shane, enough of those shenanigans. You ready to go around the league? <laughs> let's do it, brother. Now let's go now around let's the go league. Around the league. We, we haven't decided how we're going to play the guys. So and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. You know, I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over. And, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that we play at practice. So you just uh, you get used to it. It's, it's a catchy tune, right? I mean. This game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC, so I mean, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat, lunch bell, let's get to work. All right, Shay, let's start off here in Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. Where we had some pretty interesting comments from Joe Burrow. I just thought these were pretty interesting. You know, the big story there in Baton Rouge this offseason is the changes that uh, the new passing game coordinator, Joe Brady, is bringing in and what this offense is going to look like. We've already talked about... You know, some of the advanced triple option that we've seen as soon as uh, the Tigers open spring practice. Uh, but I thought these these comments, LSU fans would appreciate Joe Burrow had to say on the offense. Uh, and then we'll discuss it on the on the other side. OK. Yeah, I think, you know, the stuff that we're doing right now is really innovative. And I think um, it's a change of direction from what we were last year. We're still going to have some of what we did last year and we're just building on these new things as well and I think you know we don't want to give too much before the season so people can are gonna have to wait and see when they watch the film how complex is it for for everybody to be on the same page obviously you need all guys up front people in the the backfield you know uh, taking handoffs so is it difficult is the scheme kind of complicated to understand no I don't think so Um, I think if you get too complicated then you're out there thinking instead of playing I think you know, you just kind of have to find that balance between complicated and not so complicated so you can just go out there and play. Yeah, yeah I'm fired up about it. I've, this is the kind of offense that I've run since I was 13, 14 years old. So this is this is what I know, so I can, I can have a lot of input in it and tell them what I like. And so I think we're all fired up about it. All right, Shane. So, you know, I really like what Joe Burrow had to say here, and it's not something – that I would have thought of right away off the bat. Of course, it looks like LSU, 
I don't want to say doing a 180, but they're bringing in concepts that are basically foreign to Baton Rouge. But it's interesting that he noted, uh, you know, obviously his time as Ohio State's quarterback, he's very familiar with this system. I had, had not thought of that till he said that, but uh, I think that's another good sign for LSU this offseason. What do you think? Yeah, man, I, I'm with you. When he started saying he's been playing this since, what, eighth grade or something like that, RPO. So this is something he's very familiar with. I gave him a hard time about his uh, his run option, you know, but <laughs> it, it sounds to me like Burrow's pretty excited about uh, about this offense. And it just seems, I don't know, just the way this conversation went, that it's almost like they're just drawing plays in the sand and they're just saying, okay, we like that. We're going to keep it in. You know, they're just, they're doing a lot of heavy experimenting down there. So uh, you could tell with Burrow, he's pretty pumped up. Yeah. And I just think that obviously if, if LSU can take that next step forward on offense with Dave Aranda, you know, manning that defense, I don't think the defense is going anywhere, even though they're losing some key players. They've got so many good backups and, you know, they just kill it in recruiting, particularly on the defensive side. But uh, in their first spring practice, I heard that uh, one of the receivers had three touchdowns, another receiver had two, and then there was the third receiver had another touchdown. So you're mm. t- I know their defensive backs are young. I think that's what it says more than anything. But at the same time, I think LSU fans have got to be excited about, uh, you know, a veteran quarterback that knows this system and LSU, if their receivers maximize their potential, you know, we're talking one of the best two or three receiving cores in the sec. I mean, that's, that's gotta be pretty exciting for LSU fans. Well, let me ask you, you know, as just thinking about coach O here, I mean, is he excited about that productivity or is he more concerned about that defense right now? I, you know, I think it was a little bit of both because we did see obviously UCF kind of, you know, tear into that LSU secondary. They were so banged up, and they've got some young guys that they're looking forward to play immediately, including the the nation's number one corner prospect, Derek Stingley. So, you know, I've heard he's good, but, you know, you can't expect a true freshman to come in there and dominate in spring. I think by by fall, if he lives up to the hype, he'll, I mean, I think he'll be fine. But, uh, I mean, there was the guy for Alabama last year, Patrick Sertan, who, sorry, LSU fans, you know who that is, but I don't even think he lived up to the hype his true freshman year. So that is, that's got to be a little bit of a concern. It's, until a defensive back does it at a high caliber in the SEC, mm-hmm. I, I don't think you can necessarily guarantee that they're going to get it done year one, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And a final thing here on LSU, and I had to include this. The Tigers landed a commitment. This is one of the most terrifying recruit names I've ever heard, but it's Demon Clowney. And <laughs> this is the cousin of uh, former South Carolina great Jadavion Clowney. But my God, Shane, Demon Clowney. I mean, how how more terrifying can you get? <laughs> Absolutely. But, I mean, is this like his real name or is this what he goes by? <laughs> I mean, because <laughs> if this is his real name, because I'm thinking like, I mean, you know, my wife had a lot of trouble with our second one, and she I'm sure she wanted to name that little kid a demon, you know, but we didn't go with it. But I'm just curious if that's if that's his real name or if that's something he goes by. Now this now he's uh what, cousins with Clowney or brother? Cousins. Well, okay. Yeah, so I mean, hell, he's gotta be a, a crazy athlete. And with a name like Demon, you know, he's probably gonna be pretty damn good, Mike. I know. I'm just I'm ready for that one. I can't wait to hear it on TV, man. Oh, jeez. All right, Shane, let's jump to Gainesville. 
Well, we got some Florida news here, and I think the biggest thing this offseason for the Gators is getting that offensive line right, Shane. I've, I've kind of talked about that at length. You know, I think they finally have got some real confidence in Felipe Franks outside of Alabama. I think they may have the best receivers in the SEC. They've got plenty of good running backs, but I don't think any of that matters if their offensive line is terrible. They're replacing four starters from last year, only the center returning. They, now, they have plenty of talent, but talent that doesn't get it done is, is not worth anything in the SEC. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dan Mullen talked about the, the progression of his offensive line. He's already starting to see it to progress. So uh, let's jump to Dan Mullen talking about uh, his offensive line. A lot more with pads gone. You know, I mean, you, there's a lot of uh, youth and inexperience in that group. So that's one that is, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, for those guys, because you know, there's installs going on, and you know, we have. Uh, I, I, I looked out, you know, with the one series with the twos, there was a redshirt freshman and four basically high school kids out there running with the two huddle. Um, so, you know, and they're in their third install and in three practices, and you know, going against you know defenses that are probably well advanced of anything they'd ever seen before. Uh, I, I don't get frustrated with it. You know what I mean? What it is is I've actually seen, I, I thought, the, especially the young guys have picked it up a little bit faster maybe uh, than you're used to seeing. But I think that happens a lot when they're forced to play up. You know, I mean, if, if you know, when young guys, when they're forced to play in the, with, with the, you know, with the ones or the twos and it, with, with other players around them, there's, you know, that kind of sense of urgency, they end up picking things up a little bit. Um, and I think they've done a decent job. You know, we'll see. They get an install four today. You know, so I mean, it's not like it's slowing down. And to see when when they hit that mental wall. All right, Shane. So what do you, what do you think? Uh, you know, are you promising comments here from Dan Mullen? That's what I thought. What about you? Uh, no, not at all, man. I'm worried because when he says I looked over at my second team and I've got you know, kids that are, should be in high school, you know, he said four of them. And then one of them is a red shirt. Mm-hmm. You know, that says to me that they're one or two injuries away from having a serious problem down there in Florida. You know, that's a real concern for me because <clears throat> I think this Florida team has real potential to make some noise in the East, but if they don't have that offensive line figured out by that time, I mean, they're, they're asking a lot from these young kids to grow up. Cause you want, two or three utility guys that you can just plug and play, get these guys breathers and things like that. So it sounds to me at this moment, they don't have that. Now I'm not, I'm not totally worried because they've still got a, a, you know, a summer workouts and things they can put weight on these boys. So uh, maybe they will find two or three to do that. But at this moment, yeah, I'm a little concerned about it. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that, but I also think at this point last year, the offensive line there at Florida was basically the big question mark. You know, John Hennessy got his unit up and going, but I don't think a lot of people realize that Juwan Taylor was – it looks like he's going to be a first-round pick. He left school early. Montez Ivy, I think – I don't think he lived up to the five-star hype, but he finally did kind of become a very solid player. So maybe they had a little bit more talent than we thought this time last year. Uh, now, they, they have recently hosted Tony Gray, who mm-hmm. – Played at Ole Miss last year, and he's transferring, but he will not be eligible next season. He would have to sit a year out. But it does it does seem like they are going to pursue you know graduate transfer offensive linemen. But 
if they're is not that the, I'm sorry, is that the Georgia Tech guy? Uh the Georgia Tech guy has already said he's going to Texas. So they're oh, they're shit. not they're not getting him, but uh this old miss guy may come in. Uh, but Mullen has indicated that they will continue to, you know, look through the graduate transfers to see if there is someone out there. So I think mm-hmm. they will add a guy or two. But, you know, just getting them in the summer and getting them just in fall camp, there's no you know, guarantee that those guys are going to do anything. Uh, but, uh, you know, aside from that, Shane, how about uh, did you see Dan Mullen's crazy outfit there? He was he was rocking <laughs> recently. <laughs> Dude, I <laughs> If you look at the picture, I don't know if it's an optical illusion or not, but it looks like he's got like size six shoes on, you know, <laughs> Jinko pants. <laughs> yeah, for anyone that didn't see it, we'll put it up on the Reddit page. But I mean, he's got like MC Hammer khaki pants. I've I've never seen khaki pants this big on a on a non you know six hundred pound man. But it it was a sight to see. That's for sure. <laughs> and that's not all the Florida news we have though, because. Todd Grantham, their outstanding defensive coordinator, Shane, remember it wasn't that long ago, it looked like he was going to take the Cincinnati Bengals defensive coordinator job, and mm-hmm. he met with the media for the first time since, I don't want to say returning to Florida because he never left, but since turning down the Bengals, and he was just asked about that decision, and I think his comments will fire up Gator Nation here. Uh, well, I got a really good job. I got a really good job. Um, I work for an excellent university you know I like our administration you know when you look at Scott and what he's tried to develop from a family atmosphere you look at coach Mullen and the you know he and I we 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 mirror a lot as far as our beliefs and what you need to do from a football standpoint to to be successful so I've got really good bosses Um, I love our players I really enjoy developing them being around them and you know there's a lot of things um, that you kind of look forward to you know I certainly look forward to the challenge of the SEC schedule um, looking to um, continue to develop and and get us back to where Gator Nation should be and want to be a part of that. So we'll continue to work and develop, and um, I like it here. My family likes it here. So, um, you know, you always got to factor in everything, and when you do that, uh, it was a pretty easy decision to say. How big a factor was your, your family? I know your son plays football yeah, it was, here. It was a factor. I mean, um, you know, um, there was a lot of things that went into it. First of all, like I said, I got a great place here to work. Um, I love the players here. They've really taken to our system. Uh, but from a family standpoint, um, you know, the community's been great to my family. Uh, my kids like it here. Um, it's it's a really a great place to raise kids, and I think it's the best fit for me and um, my future. All right, Shane. Todd Grantham, he wants to finish the deal. I, I thought he did a hell of a job last year because that was – that was really the unit that everyone had questions on. They didn't think this defense would be that good. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, during certain times of the year, they were just damn dominant. Yeah, man. I mean, not only kept them in games, but I think that defense won a few games last year just because of that that side, you know? Mm-hmm. But he's, it sounds to me a little bit, too, like it's about family, you know? It seems like his his kids and his wife, they must really love the area. So I think that, you know – Look, I mean, you thinking about that or Cincinnati, I mean, Florida or Cincinnati, maybe the weather had something to do with it. Yeah, and also with Grantham, you got to realize three years ago he was at Louisville. Mm-hmm. Two, two years ago he was at Mississippi State. And then last year, obviously, in Gainesville. So that's a lot of moving around. Maybe he's just reached a point, you know, where he's like, I don't want to move my family every year. I mean, that's kind of crazy. So I'm sure that helped the Gators there, that aspect. But uh, I just... And- 
and leaving for almost, uh, I mean, it's the same spot in the NFL. Maybe, mm-hmm. you know, if, if he can get Florida to that next level, him uh, maybe, you know, maybe other doors open up and he can be a little bit more picky where he decides to take his family, you know? Yeah. Uh, last thing on the Gators here, Shane, not huge news for their team because this guy never really, really lived up to the hype, but something maybe you should keep, be on the lookout here for. Uh, senior Antonios Clayton, he's announced he's leaving the program. I think he's going to be a graduate transfer with two years to play. And this guy came in as like the top 30 player in the nation. He's a outside linebacker, defensive end type player, and you know, he announced his decision on Twitter. He didn't even mention Dan Mullen or Todd Grantham, but he thanked McIlwain, uh, Jeff Collins, who's now at Temple, and Chris Rump, who recruited him to Florida, who's now at Tennessee. So Uh-oh. I think there's a chance that Tennessee, if they're looking for some pass rushing help, they may look at Clayton's direction here. Transfer portal you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, sticking in the SEC East, let's jump down to Georgia. And I thought, uh, you know, we've had some questions on this podcast. What is James Coley's offense going to look like? Uh, I thought Kirby Smart kind of laid it out perfectly during his uh, opening spring presser. Uh, So let's jump to these comments on what James Coley's offense will look like down in Athens. Yeah, look, we've been really successful at running the ball. That's who we are at Georgia. So we're not going to go recreate the wheel and say, okay, well, now we're going to open up and be an empty spread team every down and go high tempo. You do what makes you successful. And he had a meeting with the offense yesterday, which I sat in, and he talked about balance. What is balance? People think balance means 50-50. Balance is not 50-50. Balance is being able to run the ball when you have to run the ball and being able to throw the ball when you have to throw the ball. So can you do both? Yes, you can be successful at both. That might be 70-30 one game and then 30-70 the other way the next game. So uh, I think we're going to be successful at that because I think that's going to be based on having good players. But I don't think that we're going to say, okay, we're throwing out everything we've done. We're starting over. We, we really had one coaching change on the offensive side of the ball. And every year when you go reinvent yourself, you say, okay, who are my best players? How are we going to get them the ball? What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? What are the things we've got to really work on? And We've done that for almost two months now because our signing class was pretty much done in January. We've been working on us and saying, okay, what can we do better? And I think James brings a lot of that to the table. They've gone and visited with a lot of people to, to get new ideas. All right, Shane, I, I think this is Kirby Smart kind of doing his own, you know, Nick Saban, if you will, where obviously he's not running the offense, but I'm sure he's letting every offensive coordinator that he ever hires in Georgia know, you know, this is what I want and this is what you're going to give me. I don't care if we have, you know, 10 of the best receivers in the nation and the best quarterback. We're st- we're still going to run the ball. Oh man, yeah. I mean, that's 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 Georgia football and they've got a ton of talent in the backfield. Uh, I think they honestly have the best offensive line in the SEC coming in this year. Mm-hmm. You know, the only concern was <clears throat> you know, maybe Cleveland if he's back and uh you know, who'd taken that center spot, but it, it seems like he was pretty adamant Hills ready. Hills played before, so I think you work with the pieces you got, and from the linemen, the running backs, that's what you have. You know, the biggest question mark is the the wide receivers. Everybody wants to know, but honestly, I think the biggest playmakers that they're going to have wide receiver aren't even there yet. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he's not going to have a lot much to talk about. You know, and the other thing that I really grabbed from this press conference, Shane, spring is about a time for 
developing leadership. Mm-hmm. And I think a guy like Kirby Smart, he knows that better than anyone. He knows how to develop that because we saw – I don't know how much credit you want to give Kirby Smart for this because a lot of the guys that he initially inherited were Mark Rick's guys, and there was a lot of natural leaders on that group. I think he's looking for that in this next Georgia team, obviously. And I think that may have been one of the only weaknesses of the team last year. It's not to totally call them out because they had a hell of a year, but I think you saw maybe some, I don't know, I don't want to rehash the bowl game, but I think with with stronger leadership, they probably would have came out a little bit stronger and won that game. Uh, So so that was something that he also hit on during this spring presser, just on creating adversity and how that develops leadership. Uh, So let's cut to these comments. Seems like this time every year you're talking about needing to find leadership. Do you feel like this is uh, kind of a season going in where you've got a pretty good feeling about your leaders? And then can you elaborate maybe on a few few of those guys? Yeah, I've never felt uh, great about leadership at this point in time. I, I I didn't feel great two years ago. I didn't feel great last year. I think uh, you can't find true leadership, and you can't manipulate it. You can't make it happen. So it happens through adversity, and you have to create the adversity. So in all season, we try to create adversity. Hey, something happened. We had a turnover. We got to go back out here and and do this on on, on some kind of conditioning drill. But you never get to really do that until adversity strikes, which adversity, the first time it really happens is in spring ball. When you're out there scrimmaging and something goes wrong and they hit a play, how are you going to respond? Uh, you get tired of practicing, date practice eight or nine or ten. Who's going to respond? Who's going to lead? I think we've worked really hard on that, but I think that has to reveal itself. I don't think you can appoint uh, leadership. Now, we've got guys who've played a lot of games around here. That doesn't make them a good leader. Um, we've got to have guys that are willing to step up and do the things they have to do to demand of others. And usually when you have that, you have a pretty good team. All right, Shane. So, I mean, I just thought these were some really strong comments from one of the SEC's better coaches. What did you think about it? Yeah, man. I love if you get a chance, man, maybe put the link up for this entire presser. I listened to this one top to bottom, and it, you know, he hit on a lot of good things and uh, just, uh, you know, the strength, the weight gains that a lot of these players are doing with their strength and conditioning coach and. And uh, the leadership, like you said, you know, he he only had a handful to choose from last year. And he says, now I got eight to ten to choose from. So that's what you want to see from this class, especially or from this uh, university, because I really think that they're going to make a push, man. Well, one guy they won't have next year, Shane, but uh, they got the most out of him while he was in Athens, DeAndre Baker. How about this? He was during his Georgia's pro day. He was asked by Kimberly Jones of the NFL Network why he's the number one cornerback in the draft. Uh, these comments were these were pretty awesome. And uh, if, if I was an NFL team listening, uh, he's number one on my board for sure. What kind of player, person, and cornerback is the team that drafts you getting? A confident corner who knows going to come out and compete, no matter if it's the number one receiver or the number three receiver on the team, just come out and compete fearless. Fearless and confident out there again. Last topic for you. There's a lot of DBs in this draft. There always are. Where do you fit? Where do you rank among the cornerbacks? All number one corner in the nation. No it's, doubt. No doubt. It ain't, it ain't even close. It's not close at all. Why isn't it close? No, my, my production, my stats speak for itself. You know, I never gave up a 100-yard game. I ain't give up a touchdown in two years. Matter of fact, I only gave up one touchdown in my whole college career. No receiver really did nothing on me. Every, every week, week in, week out, locked down the number one receiver for an opposing team. So if you can find another corner with those stats, and you got to, you know, we can balance it out. But right now, ain't nobody messing with me. 
All right, Jade. I mean, <laughs> my God. I mean, that pretty much says it all, doesn't it? That's right. Nobody puts baby in the corner, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But that's what you got to have. That's. I mean, this is. I mean, your cornerbacks. If you look at the NFL, typically are divas, man, and, and they they have to have that mentality that they are the best. And I think he is one of the best. I think he's one of the best in this class for sure. So. Uh, if I'm thinking about bringing uh, bringing him to my my uh, my team, you know, this is the words, this is the alpha dog mentality I want to hear from my cornerback, man. If I'm going to spend all this money, I want somebody out there that thinks he's the damn best. Yeah, we saw that in the Texas game again. Not to not to rehash that, but without him, the defense just was not quite the same. And I mm-hmm. think in the NFL, obviously, you're going up against the best of the best, and I mean, you're going to get beat occasionally. Obviously, you don't want to get beat that often, but when you do get beat, you got to come right back out there and not have your confidence shaken. And by the way, you know, Baker laid it out here on a national audience. And from what we've seen him for several years here in the SEC, I'm confident that he's a guy that uh, it won't it won't bother him if one of these one of the best receivers in the in the world beats him occasionally, you know? Yeah, for sure. All right, Shane, let's jump down to Tuscaloosa. Roll Tide! Where Nick Saban met with the media recently, and, uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of news here. There wasn't a ton to grab from, but much like Kirby Smart, I really try to listen in to a lot of these great coaches, especially when they try to give some kind of passing advice or just a little window into their program. And who better than Nick Saban to talk about what he looks for in the spring? Much much like Kirby Smart, he's looking to get his best players to become his best leaders. And he believes that's kind of what part of the secret of the success down there at Alabama. And I thought this was really, you know, this is a really uh, interesting statement here by Nick Saban. So uh, let's cut to this comment. Leadership is something that we're trying to emphasize. Um, I think, you know, having people on the team and peers on the team that um, can really reinforce the principles and values of the program and the organization are really beneficial to developing the kind of team chemistry that you need to have to have a championship team. And, you know, all the good teams that we've had around here, the teams that have won championships, we've had the kind of leadership um, that help people sustain, you know, through the tough times. And uh, they, they demanded that everyone sort of adhere to the standard. It wasn't just the coaches, you know, preaching that. So, um, and I think that's important. And it's really, it, it really makes it special when you have the best players on your team uh, also are the guys that are the best leaders. Uh, and that's something that I'm hopeful we'll be able to have on this year's team. and. Uh, develop it even further uh, to help us have a chance to be successful. All right, Shane. I mean, obviously, the biggest thing in Alabama, they have better talent than anyone. They maybe mm-hmm. they have the best college coach ever, in my opinion. But I think this is key here because a lot of people have had the best talent. A lot of people have had some of the best coaching, and it just does not sustain itself like it has at Alabama. And I think maybe he's given us a little key into how they've just been able to do it for so long. And it's just it's just the leadership of, you know, the best players not wanting to be the ones that kind of let it crumble, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I loved it. They came out, that Alabama, whatever, you know, did you hear the guy ask about the slogan? Right. I was like, damn, say, I thought, thought Butch is done making them gimmicks down there. And he said, hell no, we, we've been saying this since day one, you know. <laughs> this is Alabama. This is how we play. And. I tell you, there's a part of me that that thinks Alabama 
is going to play pissed off this year. You know, they they had they thought they had it wrapped up, man, and, and there were some mistakes they didn't fix, and it caught up to them. Um, I think they're all going to be like little Nick Sabins out there and just pissed off the world, you know. And I, I think this is going to be a this is going to be either a big year or the last year, man. It just feels like it. It just feels like either we're going to put up or shut up, you know. So I don't know. I'm really. I'm really looking forward to the product they put on the field. I'm really interested about the defense just because it was so bad last year at times Mm -hmm. and they're getting younger. So I'm just kind of curious how they reload on that side of the ball. Yeah. And unfortunately just the way the schedule works out kind of like last year, there's not going to be a whole lot of tests for them. I mean, you got the LSU game, Auburn, Texas A&M. Those are probably their three toughest games. They're not Mm -hmm. non-conference is a joke this year. Just kind of like it was last year. I don't think they're going to get tested till they get to Atlanta. Yeah, they should have lost last year. And I don't know. I think they're going to get Georgia again. I, I'm just hoping for another epic showdown. Yeah, man. All right, staying in the state of Alabama, Shane, let's jump to Auburn. War damn eagle. Where Gus Malzahn was asked about, you know, of course, what else? The hot topic there on the planes, the quarterback situation and you know, he hits on all these guys, but I thought the most revealing things, what he had to say about redshirt freshman Joey Gatewood. Uh, so let's jump here to Gus Malzahn. I'll say just first of all, from a talent standpoint, I think every, all four of the guys are capable of running the offense, okay? Now, I'm not ready to say at what level and all that, but, um, you know, I think all four, after one week, you can tell has some skills uh, to be successful running the offense. They're all a little bit different which I think that's a good thing. Um, and, of course, once we narrow it down and actually pick a guy, you know, we'll, we'll build it around his strengths. What have we seen different out of Joey Gatewood with a year under his Yeah, team? Yeah, Joey, well, you, first of all, you can tell he, he's not a freshman anymore. Um, you know, I'd say all the guys, you know, Malik included too, you know, when you've got a high-profile guy that established like Jarrett and he moves on, I think a lot of times it gives people new life. Seen that with Joey, uh, that he's competing hard for the starting job, you know, and so his approach has been been completely different than it was last year, which is to be expected, you know, especially being a freshman. All right, Shane, I think this is uh, an important thing that Gus was had to say here because you know we're far away from Auburn naming a starting quarterback. I I would imagine knowing Gus Malzahn like I do, he's not going to name a starter until the damn kickoff in August. 31st, whenever the hell that is, but I think what he was trying to convey here was that Joey Gatewood didn't know what he was doing last year, wasn't ready to be, you know, or or to have what it takes to be a starting quarterback in the SEC, and now he's kind of showing that for the first time. Uh, How big is that, if if that's an accurate statement? I don't know, man. That's a a slippery slope because – now you got this guy saying, well, Stenham was the guy, so I'm not going to try that hard. But mm-hmm. now that I've got an opportunity, I'm going to. Um, you know, I want I would, I would, want my number two pushing my number one all the time. You know, like a, that's one of the coaches said, like a chip on the shoulder. I think it was Jimbo that said this. Mm-hmm. You know, I want them pushing each other, making each other better, because if you don't, then – when it is your time and your opportunity, you're not prepared. So maybe that's why we have four quarterback challenge down there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's just, and, and I'm hearing a lot in this, pre- and I, you know, I'm down on Auburn. 
Mm-hmm. But listen to Gus talk. It, it's I, I've never heard any coach out of all the coaches that talked this week say freshman more than he has. And that's the last thing you want. I mean, it, it's rare to have one or two step up and be a big time baller. Mm-hmm. You know, it's even more rare to have six or seven of those. So um, I don't know, man. I think it's a pressure cooker, cooker down there. And, and uh, if you're a Gus fan, you better get that gear while you can. <laughs> well, that's a that's an interesting point, Shane. And going back to the court, you know, the quarterback competition there. If for whatever reason, you know, Bo Nix, whether it be the spring or the fall or whenever it may be, if he does maybe take that leap ahead, I think he may have hit on something there. If you know, how is Joey Gatewood going to react if he falls behind to a guy that just showed up and? You know, the starting job is not there to, for him to be had. Maybe he didn't push Stidham like he should have. And how's, mm-hmm. how's he going to react to potentially falling behind to a true freshman? I think that'll be something to really watch in the coming uh, weeks and months. It, it just feels like if, if he lost this spot at all, mm-hmm. and maybe that's why Gus ain't going to name anybody. Maybe he thinks Bo's the guy. But I guarantee as soon as he names another quarterback, this guy's out. He's transferring out, man. Into that portal trying to you're trying to yeah. get Tennessee another yeah guy. he's coming up to Tennessee <laughs> all right Shane let's jump to South Carolina the Gamecocks recently had their pro day and you know not a ton to come out of here either but I just wanted to just ask you about this we'll jump to what Will Muschamp has to say real quick but here's Muschamp talking about the need for the Gamecocks to produce more NFL players. Uh, let's jump to this, and then I, I have something to ask you about it. Do you think your kids have an edge, given the way you guys prepare you know, for game to game or practice after practice when it comes to the pro day? I would think so. I think from a standpoint of just being around the programs that I've been around and, and uh, having those opportunities, continuing to recruit at a high level is going to be important for us moving forward, uh, and, and we need to, con- to increase our draft numbers bottom line. That make a difference to recruits. Absolutely. I mean, there's, at the end of the day, a lot of you know recruits that we're recruiting, you know, want to continue to play after college, and they want to be able to see a track record. Uh, and you know, our staff's got a great track record, not necessarily here at South Carolina so far, with only one player being drafted in our first three seasons. Uh, but certainly, I'm hoping that's going to change as we continue to move forward. All right, Shane. So this was a surprising comment. I didn't realize it at the time until you know he said it here, but. Under his watch, I know he took over a, a downtrodden Gamecock program, but they've only had one NFL draft pick under his watch so far, and that was, of course, uh, Hayden Hurst, the tight end that went to Baltimore last year. I think he was in the first-round pick. So they've at least they've had a first-rounder, but that's the only guy that the Gamecocks have had drafted under Will Muschamp. And now that's certainly going to change, particularly with a guy like Debo Samuel. He's, he's going to get drafted pretty high, I would think, but... How long do you think he has, Shane, to sell this? You know, if if he continues to not produce draft picks, I mean, a guy like him, he comes with a reputation as a good recruiter. You know, the results have been kind of so-so on the field. Not bad, but not great, just kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. How many more years, I'm not even talking about with the fans, but how many more years can he sell this on the recruiting trail if – you know, that we can develop you and get you to the NFL and whatnot uh, if he's not doing it. Dude, they're already using it against him. I guarantee it. And, and the fact that, I mean, I had to play this twice. I couldn't believe it. So he's had one 
one player in the last three years go to the NFL. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you're talking to if you're in the living room with a player, it's a top two hundred player. Remember, they draft over two hundred people every year. This guy has full intentions of going to the next level. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then you're talking at must champ and he's trying to convince you to come to South Carolina, but then you got somebody like Saban coming in and say, Hey, we put in 20 people last year. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. <laughs> or just, Dab- Dabo's right there in state against it, him. Exactly. I mean, if you're, so they're using it against him as a negative recruiting. And, and if I'm that recruit, I'm going to say, you know what? He's right. I mean, if I want to play at the next level, Obviously, South Carolina is not doing it right now, but Clemson's doing it every single year. So I'm going to go there because, you know, I want to get paid. So um, I, I think this is huge for South Carolina. They got to have it. I think they've already had this was at their pro day, right? It was. Did they yeah. have did they have anybody else besides Debo maybe playing at the next level? Well, they were going to have a lineman that definitely probably would have Zach Bailey. But he he got hurt in that damn Akron. That's you know, right. That stupid yeah. game that they played. Uh, yeah. That was a tough one. Um, you know, they've got one of their their defensive linemen. Uh, he probably would have been, but he's coming back for another year. So that'll obviously help on the field, but not in these draft numbers. So mm-hmm. they're not going to have a ton of guys that, that are there. But I think with the next draft, I hate I know it's, it, you hate to keep looking ahead, but the next class will be when his guys quote-unquote, really start coming out like Jake Bentley and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's where they've really got to prove it. And if they can't do it there, uh, I mean, I just think it's going to be it's going to be tough for them to, to sell. You know, it's coming. It's coming, you know, because yeah. all the teams around them are already doing it. Dude, that's the thing, man. You want to compete in the East, and you've got to put people in the league. I mean, that's George, That's why Georgia and Alabama are so successful, because they're – they're they're a factory for the NFL, man. They just they keep producing, so people keep showing up. So if South Carolina want to get wants to get to that next level, they got to put people in the league, man. Mm-hmm. And that's more, I you know that's obviously more Spurrier's fault than it is Muschamp's. But yeah, yeah. it's just that he's got to get that corrected sooner than later. All right, Shane. Final team I've got to hit on here. Let's jump down to College Station, Gigamag, where the Aggies are. In the spring football now, they're one of the last teams here to start. And the big thing down there, and obviously everyone's hitting on it, how far can Kellen Mond continue his progression? Because that's probably going to tell how far the Aggies can go. Uh, so here's Jimbo Fisher on uh, what he's seen Kellen Mond year two in the system. Well, I think at the end of the year he had success bringing the team back on a, on a big victory winning a bowl game, which you haven't done, learn how to prepare. You can see it definitely that he feels very very comfortable in what we're doing and a lot a lot more advanced in how he's talking, how he's things, the conversations we have, the reads. I mean, you can just see it. You can. Is there anything specifically that you want him to really improve on? This yeah, that's what I, he asked me that just a minute ago. Is there anything, is there one thing in particular? Yeah, I mean, it, it just overall knowledge and command and the consistency in what you play with. And then your decision-making, accuracy, all those things, which should grow as your knowledge grows. And the other thing is you say that, the guys around him will run better routes. The guys around him protect better. The guys around him do their job better because they know what's going on better. So that really helps him too. Fast-talking Jimbo. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Chad, he, it didn't seem like old Jimbo, while he talks a lot, he didn't say a whole lot here, but – uh, you know, it, it, he just kind of lets you know that uh, there's still plenty of room for Kellen Mond to progress. And the more I've studied it this year, this, looking back at all his games last season, 
I think there's a perception out there that Kellen Mond is a little bit better than he was. And mm-hmm. I think that's because he played so damn well against Clemson and LSU and in the bowl game. But kind of in between there, it was just so inconsistent. Uh, how, you know, how big of a leap can he continue to make next in his second year in the system here? Well, you know, there's a lot of interesting stuff Jimbo said down there about Kellen Mond. And it's not just the quarterback. It's the people around him. You know, he was talking about there's a real benefit to having all these guys coming back at receiver spot because the the routes get crisper, you know, the, there's more, uh, there's better timing, and that helps with Mon's efficiency. So uh, that's all he wants, man. He wants Mon to be efficient and steady, and you do that by not changing a, a lot of the pieces around you. So I, I do think we're going to see a leap in uh, Mon's numbers this year. Yeah, and so Kellen Mon, he also met with the media. We're going to play his comments here, but I thought the, you know, of the most interesting thing he had to say here was at the tail end of his statement here and just noted how tough the schedule lays out and the fact that the Aggies are using that as motivation. Not to be satisfied, continue to grow, um, understand where we can be and what type of team that we can be. Uh, you know, we got a lot of guys coming back, uh, some key guys that left, but uh, we still understand what type of team that we can be and we got a hell of a schedule and so we're definitely up for it. All right, Shane, so how about it? I mean, this is every time I bring up the Aggies online, that's the first thing people want to talk about is how tough this damn schedule is looking. And, I mean, the players are fully aware of it, and it uh, it looks like that's brought a more sense of urgency to this this team. Yeah, I mean, there's a a lot of people in College Station that think this is their year. They think that they have arrived, and, you know, what better way to prepare yourself for a – a playoff run than having the people that you have on this schedule. So um, I think, you know, when you get to that point, that, that top tier, you can't, you can't complain. You should be the best. So uh, the schedule, I, I'm embracing it, man. We're going to have some good games coming out of college station this year. Yeah, I think so, Shane. So, I mean, that's all I got around the league. You got anything before we jump off here? Uh, no. Um, of course, we're going to have a show when? Thursday? Are we doing another one tomorrow? It'll come out on Friday. Friday. I think uh, we'll have some, we'll have a pretty good uh, – well, actually, can you tell them a little bit about what we're going to have on Friday? Uh, yes, sir. So we've got a guest. Uh, we already recorded this, so it's for sure coming in. We just uh, didn't have time to get it on this one. But uh, the founder of Quarterback Country, who is a former Ole Miss quarterback by the name of David Morris – he trains Jake Fromm, Jake Bentley, uh, a couple other guys. He's training Daniel Jones, the former Duke quarterback, who looks like he's going to be a first-round pick. I actually got him right off the practice field there of, of Duke's pro day. So uh, we're going to have David Morris on. He's going to break down you know, some of the things you should be looking for from these quarterbacks coming into 2019. And you know, Georgia and South Carolina f- fans in particular will enjoy this. He even had some comments on uh, one of the Ole Miss – uh, true freshman quarterback coming in he's training with that guy so uh, some pretty good stuff coming up on the next episode yeah pretty impressive i didn't know i mean th- i didn't realize just how many quarterbacks he had influence so uh, great interview i've already listened to it uh should be coming out here friday mm-hmm. um that's you know that's pretty much all i got mike uh, uh you know we did up our uh, social media presence we're now not only on reddit but uh we're on the Instagram and uh, the Twitter. 
we're all over it. So give us a like or follow on any of that. If you would be so kind to rate and review us on iTunes, that really helps the podcast out. Uh, But beyond that, thank you for joining me, Shane. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you, guys. Go Vols. Oh, man, I butchered that one, didn't I? That was doing so good, Mike. Then I got a little a little loopy there. That I had, last one hit I me. had to reel you back in. <laughs> <laughs> oh. The what did uh, Saban say? The uh, face Facebook or my my face? We're all over. So We're on me, my face, yes, we are. Yeah. Let me start that over. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Starting to kick in a little bit, Mike. <laughs> hey, well, you know, we, uh, we've we uh, upped our social media. We're, we're on everything now. Uh, Twitter, Facebook. Are we on Facebook? Shit. Let me try it again. All right. All right, guys. <laughs> Take <All right>. three. <laughs> Take three. This is it. This is it, Mike. All right. Uh, it was a uh, – uh, shit. All right. Um, no, that's about it, Mike. Uh, all right, let me try that again. That's about it, Mike, right there. So uh, we'll see you guys Friday.